This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. A few episodes ago, I talked to Ace, who generously shared stories from her childhood and how her parents projected their eating disorders onto her and forced her to fast from the age of 10. If you haven't listened to this episode yet, it's the seventh episode of Women of My Generation, I encourage you to do so before continuing with this one. The response I had to mine and A's discussion last time was both amazing and heartbreaking. Once again, I was reminded of how many people who suffer from disordered eating. Today, I met up with Ace once again, but this time we focus on the short and long-term consequences she experienced due to years of dieting. She also educates us on PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, a condition that affects women's ovaries. It affects one in five women in the UK, but yet people don't seem to know about it. Until now. My name is Fanny Beckerman, and this is Women of My Generation. Thank you for inviting me over again. Welcome anytime. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't that long since I was here and we recorded another episode together mm-hmm. um, where we talked mainly about your childhood yes. and uh, the diets that you went through, basically. Yeah. Um, but we also realised that there was a lot that we didn't have time to cover. No. Um, so off record, you told me about different illnesses that you um, developed mainly due to your fast as a kid and you told me about one specific time Mm -hmm. um, where your mum kind of told you as a motivation to go on a diet that you would see different colourful lights when you fasted long enough. Um, Do you remember how you felt when she said that? I felt, yeah, it sounds sounds so bad. Mm. Um, and I didn't realise it was bad before I told like my friend about it once. Um, and then when I spoke to my therapist, if anyone's listening that didn't listen to the first episode, I recommend going back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because um, there's a lot of backstory um, about what happened and how I dealt with it. But basically, um, that was uh, the 10-day fast and... I was absolutely like, I don't know if you ever fasted. No, but I haven't actually. No. That's great, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is hard. <laughs> and, um, 
especially as a kid, because it's not like you really have um, the motivation of being that sick in the mind to do mm. it on your own. So mm. you kind of, I, I think I mainly did it for my mom and for her to love me as, like, I'm laughing now because, you know, it's, it's such a sad story that I, and, and saying it now, it feels really surrealistic. Yeah. First time I was talking to people about this when I started opening up or to my therapist, I, I used to cry all the time and relive it. And now this is so far away from how I would ever feel okay with happening again or watching happening that it's just, it, yeah, it feels, now it feels like just like a story that mm, I read instead yeah. of something that's too ingrained in me to be open wound. I'm just trying to uh, explain why I'm like quite lighthearted when I talk about this, yeah. even though I know it's a really serious subject. Yeah, because I remember you did actually start seeing colourful yeah, lights, yeah. but obviously now you know that that was hallucination yeah. due to malnutrition and it was yeah. really, really harmful. Yeah, basically, so to keep me motivated, she said, because she had done this before many times, mm. um, and she was, she was like, it's worth it. Every every color will become more vibrant, mm-hmm. and it will start to radiate. So like, you know, something that's red will be popping red, and you know, sometimes your vision will be like a bit hazy or, um, like you're constantly in like a summer's day glow. Mm-hmm. Um, I when I was a child, this just you know sounded like magic, mm. and it got me really excited. Cause, yeah. you know, I love magic. I love the thought of magic and I love the thought of having an experience with her that was just ours. Mm. Um, I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the promise of this color and it did happen and it was beautiful and um, you know you can probably achieve it by just buying some weird type of sunglasses you know yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know what I mean you don't have to have your kidneys give you like a warning sign that <laughs> they're failing for you to yeah. experience it. Mm. Um, or yeah. just watch like a video project on something where someone uses like an effect. Mm-hmm. I, I would never recommend it ever. No. But it was like a weird little promise, mm. which makes it, today it makes it so sick. And it makes it, you can just see how just not in the right frame of mind. Um, and again, my mom is not not a mean person. She's not bad. She's just so heartbreakingly broken that she does sad things, like the things she did to me as a child. Um, and I think that's kind of the aim with this episode, yeah. to stop our listeners and people in general to romanticize yeah restrictive eating in any way because it has like really severe consequences and you've experienced other consequences as well like Mm -hmm. you developed gallops what's it called it's called goldstone goldstone yeah Mm. and uh that was quite early as well wasn't it yeah Mm. um and that's when you when you change your diet a lot so she used to encourage me to do Many different diets, and one was raw foodism. Okay. I don't know if you say raw foodism or raw. It just, 
you don't cook your food above your uh, body temperature. And that's quite trendy now, isn't it? Oh, yes. Yeah, all <laughs> the range. Mm. Um, and I would always, yeah, advise people to go slowly into something that changes your category of food that you're choosing so um, manically. Because mm. it does affect your whole system and it's just shock to your body. Um, in many different, like, ways. And you can read up on, like, nutritional blogs about it and... I bet there are loads of people talking about it, but basically if you change the diet really quickly and then go off it or on on and off, uh, it can just really fuck up your system. Yeah. Um, one of the things that can happen is that your gallbladder that um, has the job of breaking down fat in your body just freaks out, um, doesn't metabolize what it's supposed to do, um, starts releasing tiny stones that are like... A hard little minerals I don't even know the scientific term for it and they start going through your intestines when they go through your intestines they start scraping along mm -hmm. and that makes your intestines just flame up and the pain is real <laughs> um, it's 100% real I remember later on speaking to someone um, that had also had a child and she also had um, gallbladder and gold sto goldstone issues before she had a child and she was like like the pain is equal really? yeah except in the end of a birth you'll have a child but like when you have goldstone you just you know have a body that's not functioning for you um, so the pain old, is real how old were you so when that? I started having um, like gallbladder issues I was probably 12 yeah, T around 12 and I had them, I had those episodes for two years. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, you just like, you puke, you have diarrhea and then you just cramp because your body freaks out. It's like, it just wants it out. So it just pushes everything it can out. You get fever. Usually they will last a whole night and then I'll be really tired the next day. Um, and it was yeah. certain types of food that made it worse? Yeah, so because the gallbladder is supposed to help digest fat, pure fat will absolutely um, fuck it up. Mm. So if it's already inflamed and having problems and producing stones, if you, for example, have something that's supposed to be really healthy, like avocado, mm. it's so much fat that your body's like, I actually can't yeah. like, break it down right now because the organ is not functioning. So it will just make the whole thing worse. And yeah. My mom really believed in like green smoothies being like the answer to literally everything. Like answer to a failing self-worth and failing kidneys and, you know, a midlife crisis and everything. <laughs> so every time I used to have these episodes, she used to just make a green smoothie and be like, just have it, just drink it, you'll feel better. And of course she put loads of avocado, bless her. And I was just... the it would always get so much worse mm. and she would just be like it's clenching it's cleaning you out because again when you have an eating disorder for a long time you become um you know it, it becomes your language in your brain and you don't clock yourself i don't think she was ever aware of how serious it is because even just in that just like oh yeah just throw up and it will be better it's like 
that's cleansing, which is related to bulimia, which is related to a thought pattern that a person with an eating disorder has, you know? Yeah, and it's so ironic in a way that that kind of healthy food that's promoted yeah. everywhere yeah. is not healthy for everyone, especially not in that situation. Uh, yeah, actually, you know, I think it's the... I, I think people like to think in, like, black and white situations where something is really good or something is really bad it's it's both so like a lot of people are like oh i'm trying to be healthy so i ate loads of salad and it just gave me stomach pain and i just farted a lot and i don't think it's good for me it's like well you know just because it's healthy and a vegetable doesn't mean that you you can approach it however you want there are still like you know uncooked broccoli is very high in certain things that it's hard for your stomach to break down mm. if it's not used to it so soft boil it and then eat it yeah like um healthy things are unhealthy in large amounts mm. nuts are really healthy if you eat two kilos of nuts it's going to be really hard for your body to digest it so it's not you know yeah i think people are like oh this is healthy food i can do whatever i want with it because it's always going to be healthy it's like it is healthier than the stuff we you know, we deep fry, mm. but it still has to be approached with a certain amount of, like, exactly. information. Mm. Just, like, know what you're eating and how to eat it. Yeah. Um, yeah you need moderation as well and a yeah, balanced yeah. diet, for sure. Yeah, and listen to your body. Mm. If, it's, if it's throwing up or making you sick, you know, don't eat it or find a way to help your body majest- like, mm. majest- majest- di- digest, like, digest it. Digest it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the word. <laughs> Um, but yeah, back to like throwing up and people being so ill in their minds that they yeah. think that that's a good sign. Yes. Like last year, there was a big debate about detox teas and yeah. it would make you slim immediately. But when actually it was, you know, laxative and yeah. just, um, <laughs> you know, obviously that's not healthy mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we are so used to it. Like you people do anything just to have a certain body type and Mm -hmm. it's actually insane i I think uh, especially for women um we are the victims of such a weird body type where it's like this shape that we are expected to naturally have which some people naturally do um but not the majority uh someone of like that it just eats like um, bird food, you know, like yeah. tiny amounts of little portions. Yeah. And it's so weird. Um, it's this flat stomach, like we're not expected to have organs. Um, mm. Like we're not expected to be real. Or um, that we're not expected to take something in and then digest it, have it inside, work through it. It's like everything's supposed to just flow through us like mm. we're robots. Mm. Like, there's actually just wires inside instead yeah. of, like, uh, yeah, just fat and muscles yeah. and <laughs> uh, organs. Yeah, mm. I think it's an interesting thing to always expect, especially for w- to expect women not to um, have a, a body that functions and blows out or a body that you can see is a living thing. It's very degrading if you think about it. Mm. It's like oh, you're a bit bloated, like, either, you know, something's wrong or you're pregnant. Because yeah. the only function of your body is either to have a flat stomach, so you're fuckable. Or already have been fucked, so you're pregnant. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it's such extremes. 
<laughs> and when you clock those tiny like little things of being like, oh yeah, flat stomach tea. Mm. It's like okay, you t- do what you want with your body. If you if you want it to look that way, fine. But why do we want it to look that way? Yeah. <laughs> like why is it such a high priority? Mm. And how do you actually feel inside? And, and yeah. do you have energy to do anything when you've just been on the toilet all day? Yeah, because you do. You just, like, you fucking shit out all your minerals and vitamins. Mm-hmm. That's really bad. Mm, definitely. But last time, um, off the record as well, we talked about... Uh, well, you mentioned that your mum was against doctors. Yeah. So that's why you never actually went for help uh, when you yeah. were in that age. You were 12 and 14. And then later on, you were told that if you did, you could actually have avoided some of the symptoms. Yeah. Are you angry with your mum for that now? Yeah. I think I used to be much more angrier than uh, I am now. Um, Yeah, of course. Like, someone is trusted to take care of your body when you're very vulnerable. Children are very vulnerable. Um, children are never responsible for their own realities, you know. Adults are, up until a certain age, and then something changes, and you would naturally start to be responsible for yourself and others and your reactions, you know. Um, up until that point, we have these guardians, and they're supposed to make sure that, you know, emotionally you develop and physically as well. Mm. And then when you look back and you're like, yeah, shit. They fucked up. It's not. And it's uh, for a long time, I just thought it was my responsibility. Because uh, in my belief, I was like, I took part in it. Like, I I didn't eat. And I went on the diets. And I stuck to the diets. Um, but then later on, when you see the responsibility of being a grown-up and being a child. Yeah. Um, I think probably that's when the anger really kicked in. Where I was just like, you know what? Fuck you. Mm. <laughs> like, and again, this is one side and the other is like, she is, you know, she's not well. And she didn't do it on purpose. But at the same time, you know, in her, in my mind, I'm like, oh, she didn't know any better. And then another voice is like, well, do your research. You know what I mean? Mm. There's a, there are a lot of people that, like, at least in, I think, her friendship group or people she picked to be around this, like, this, like, hippie generation of, like... Holistic, uh, holistic, whatever it's called, um, healing, which I love. I mean, I love like buy me crystals. I'll take them. Um, like someone gong when I'm in a bath, I'll lie in it. Um, but if I'm, you know, having fever, if my internals are really hurting, I'll go for an X-ray. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. there's no reason why you can't have both. But f- mm. for her, it was just like you know, modern medicine, mm. pharmaceuticals. It's all like uh, you know, uh, conspiracy, mm. and doc- doctors actually don't know anything about the body. Doctors, there are a lot of things that doctors don't know at all. But again, when you have, especially when you have an eating disorder or some of some kind of distorted uh, way of thinking. Mm. You go into, you can very easily go into black and white thinking that I, I like to call it, or my therapist calls it, where it's either bad or good. So for her, she decided that doctors were bad. Mm. So when I asked to go to the doctors when I had this, she was like, it's probably just, you know, you not following the diet that I put you on. Really? So now you're suffering for it. So maybe you'll think twice when you 
cheat on your diet, you know? Mm. Um, which, I don't know, I th- I, later on I thought, it's really weird that just, you know, I need, you have to take a test to drive a car, but then you can just have kids, you know? So true. <laughs> it's so mad. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Do you still have any physical symptoms related to your eating disorder? Um... I mean, I have PCOS, but that's not uh, related to having um, dietary things. That's that's like genetics. Again, that you get from your mom. <laughs> mm, mm. So I probably got it through her gene again. Um, just again, not lucky when it comes to um, the mother's side. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I think... I think... Um, stuff was just uh, always struggling a bit with like tummy aches you know and my body can't just eat anything you know I have to really think will I be able to like digest this Uh, I've never been good at digesting you know fish Um, I was raised a vegetarian and then Mm. I stopped eating fish as well Um, I think yeah I think it I mean uh, I think well, probably most effects affects me of what was not treated is my scoliosis. So I had scoliosis as well as a child, oh, where your okay. back is a bit crooked. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that would have been intervened more quickly, um, a lot of back specialists have been like, oh, it was, wouldn't have been such an issue for such a long time, and we would have just like helped you grow with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, again... Uh, that's that's what my mom and dad for and it's all, all of this is on my dad as well to be honest I mean mm. they're equally as responsible for me mm. um, because of the gallstones the only solution because it had been going on for two years was to just take the gallbladder out um, so I went into an operation and then they also had to go into my intestines and pick out tiny well they were quite big stones <coughs> out of my body and I remember it just, I remember because I was, when I went in for it, I was like 14. And I remember the doctor just disbelief. He was just like, she has stones all over in her intestines. He yeah. just told that to my mom. And my mom was like, that's pretty bad. He was like, she has been in so much pain. And I remember my mom feeling, uh, looking angry at him and also ashamed. And I think... That was the first time that probably a professional saw some kind of um, neglect in the way that she was not taking responsibility for my yeah, body. Yeah. Um, which may be like part of why she never did want to go to a doctor is maybe she was scared that someone would actually take you away, maybe. Not take me away, but just criticize how she was erasing me because she just wanted to erase me the way she wanted to erase me. And that was it. Mm. Um, so they took out my gallbladder. Which my doctor was like, I've never done it on someone so young. Usually it's like post-menopause bodies. Um, but didn't he have like a responsibility to tell someone? Yeah, but no, not really. Because there's no proof that... there's no. I don't think there's any hardcore proof for that. It's like, oh, if a young child has it, it's been neglected or... It can't just be a one-off thing. It probably has happened without extreme dieting. It's like, 
it's not proven enough to no. have a, like a straight reaction to it. It's just right the fact that you've been in so much pain and hadn't seen the doctor up until that point. That's yeah. mistreating a child. Yeah, it is. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. And I don't know what him and my mom talked about when I was not in the room. Okay, yeah. Um, not having a gallbladder is... At the time, I remember them saying that the organ doesn't really do anything and it should just be taken out. Later on, I remember someone being like, oh, the gallbladder does do something, new research to say this and that. Today, we know that gallbladder is very important when it comes to breaking down fat. So again, if I eat like loads of fatty food, I'll get a stomach ache. And what this has done as a result is um, my body has such a hard time breaking down fat in the body at all. So it's just like a one tick, another tick in the health department of like things that my body finds hard to deal mm. with, which is a result of, um, in my opinion, without being a, a medical professional, just being, you know, having a degree in my own body because I live in it. Um, of extreme dieting and then losing a organ, you know, for yeah. it to malfunction that young is just, you is, know, depressing. Is that linked to PCOS as well, that you um, have struggled with digesting different foods? Yeah, like, yeah. so yeah. So um, for anyone who doesn't know what PCOS is, it's polycystic ovary syndrome. Just the name is so confusing um, I think a lot of people don't know what it is. <laughs> That's the thing, it's mm. so weird. Um, I didn't know what it was until I got like diagnosed. Yeah, and I didn't um, know until you told me like, a year <laughs> yeah. ago. Yeah. Mm. Um, when I got diagnosed and I started doing my own research, I saw that one in ten women have it, and uh, my mind was blown. I was like, I know more than ten women, and you know, I'm not the only one that has it. Yeah, the yeah. women that I know. And then a year later, when I'm always doing more and more research, like it's been upgraded the research. And it's one in five women in the UK have PCOS. Mm. And everyone, most of the people I talk to don't know what it, what it is. One other friend of mine knew that she has it, had been diagnosed. When um, were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed when I lived in Brighton. Mm. Um, 26, no, I'm 28. Two years around ago. That, yeah, yeah, around that time. Um, polycystic ovary syndrome. First of all, it was named because when it was like when doctors started to notice or have an idea of what it was, it was usually with women that had a lot of cysts on their ovaries. Mm-hmm. Um, it it doesn't have anything to do with having cysts. The things that they saw were, were follicles um, that had never uh, opened up for an egg to be fertilized. So instead of um, eggs um, ovulating, the follicles just stay there and die. And it creates a little circle that looks like a cyst. So even Mm -hmm. the name of the disease is a misunderstanding and a lack of just research. 
Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. And then to get diagnosed legally in the NHS, you have to have three things. You have to have irregular periods. Um, you have to have, oh sorry, you have to have two of three things. You have to have irregular periods or cysts on your ovaries, even though it doesn't really have anything no. to do with it. And then you have to have some kind of imbalance on uh, your hormones when it comes to, you know, in brackets, female and male hormones. You have to have, like, uh, above average of testosterone, um, above the average of what we think a woman should have in their body. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have two of these, you can be diagnosed. I had the irregular periods and, like... 0.15 more of testosterone than a woman should have again mm-hmm. in brackets mm-hmm. um, so you don't have to have the cysts even though it's named after it so there's just so much confusion and yeah. lack of knowledge that just makes the whole thing very confusing um, being a hormonal disease it's affecting your um, ovaries it's affecting how you get your PMS how you get your period it also, you're more likely to have insulin resistant in your body, which makes you produce more insulin. Then you're fucking with your blood pressure and your blood sugar levels, mm. which affects also your hormones and the level of energy and how much you crave food just to stay awake. Um, this all can affect your mood. Like The thing is, if you, if you mix up your hormones or you... If your hormones are out of balance, it affects everything else. Because mm. the hormones for me, like in my mind, I always see them like the little people that are running around telling the organs like, now it's time to do this. Now it's time to do that. We have to check up on this. If they're not running around telling the body how to function, everything can start like going a bit weird. Yeah. So with PCOS, you have... Um, Either hair loss, hair thinning, or excessive hair, like facial hair. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. That's one of the symptoms, yeah. Um, or excessive body hair. Mm. Um, you can have irritable bowel syndrome just because your stomach and your flora is off because your hormones are off. And then it's just um, your, you know, your eternal chat with your own vagina. Like... Mm. And again, this is why people don't shy away from this because talking about vagina is, is such a hard thing for a lot of people I've noticed after, like, I feel like it's very easy to talk about my vagina mm. and my ovaries and my reproductive area. But people feel it's really hard okay. to talk about it and to talk about their periods. And this is, again, like the whole history of taboo and shaming women for having mm. their periods. Um and my friend the other day, she was like, yeah, I just don't know. I don't feel the need to talk about my periods. So I don't see why other people would have the need to talk about their periods. But I was like, I don't have my periods usually. So I have a great need because if I wouldn't talk about it, I wouldn't know that it wasn't 
an uh, unnatural or reoccurring thing to always have your periods regularly. I'd feel left out if I wouldn't be have the space to talk about it. Yeah. So just because you have the privilege of not thinking about it doesn't mean that other people um, don't, you know, 100% need that space. Mm. I um, think that's so important. And, you know, last year I've only had my period twice. Yeah. And that was, uh, I think, I'm not still not sure, I mm-hmm. think it was stress-related. Yeah. And that I know that because I went to doctors but also because I talked to my female friends about yeah. it and they're like oh yeah that happened to me as well and that yeah. was definitely stress related and you realize that it's actually quite common yeah and if I didn't open up and and talk about it then mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known yeah and then I would say just, you know continue to think oh what's going on with my body yeah and yeah that's that's horrible yeah it is it's um it's just uh, limitations of knowledge that we are given about our own bodies and the limited resources of, you know, when you're in school and you've been taught sexual education or, you know, anything about a female body. You just don't know this. You, why, why don't they... If it's if PCOS is one in four women, why isn't it just taught in school then? Mm. You know, because the earlier you catch it, the easier it is to kind of adjust to it and kind of see how it is affecting your life. Yeah, yeah. Um, that one friend that I knew in Brighton that had it already, and then I got tested. I knew she had it. Um, oh, is that why you tested yourself? Um, I I knew that uh, when I my doctor suggested it. I talked to one friend that was like, "Oh, our friend has it," mm. and I talked to her, and she was like, "Just push your doctors to do all the tests." Mm. Um, so I did that, and then I wrote an article about PCOS in um, Unpretty, the scene I do with. Um, my uh, co-founder, yeah. Georgina. I think everyone should read that article. <laughs> it's so, so good and yeah, very it's, informative. It's, she, she read it and she was like, I've had this, I've known I had this longer than you and I didn't know this information. Um, and that's basically because you have to keep being, you have to keep researching all the time because mm. the new information is just coming out yeah. all the time. Where um, do you do your research? It's just online, a lot of like medical journal, um, boring, very boring articles. Yeah. If people want to read your article, where can they find it? Um, so it's in the Unpretty Scene that you can buy in uh, Second Shelf, which is a feminist bookshop in Soho, in London. Okay. Uh, but you can also get it, also publish it online, just because I really want it to be accessible. On the Sashi Show, um, okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also an amazing website. Yeah, yeah. Interesting so articles. Bethany, who runs it, she's yeah. been a guest in this podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. So have a listen to that episode about body hair if you mm-hmm. want to. Um, but back to PCOS. Um, mm-hmm. So I've heard it's pretty common that women PCOS, PCOS mm-hmm. struggle to get pregnant. Yes. So that's another symptom. Yeah. Mm. I think it's probably the the biggest symptom or like the biggest fear for a lot of women but PCOS is the number one cause of infertility in the world wow and this is just coming out now and again when I talk about PCOS no one knows about it yeah um yeah because you basically you're you know you don't ovulate the ex so you don't have your period at all uh, it comes on and off mm. um it's been a long struggle uh, there are things that help out, um, 
I live a very, have to have quite a clean diet and I exercise and I watch my stress levels because your stress affects your hormones that then affect your, you know, productive area. But how does that work with your history of having an eating disorder? Yeah, it's like, really tricky. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It's really tricky. And because um, I, I think they ha- always hold hand in hand without me knowing it. So when I was younger and I was doing all of this, like, dieting with my mom my mom used to like really get upset if you know i didn't see progress and i used to get upset if i didn't lose the weight but basically when you have pcos you're very likely to put on a lot of weight and not lose it it's one of the symptoms you don't Mm. again you don't have to have that to have pcos but it it is a likely symptom of pcos so when i got the result that yes you have a body that most likely it will hold on to fat and you have insulin resistant in your blood, which means, you know, again, you will always crave a lot of sugar. Um, it just kind of proved to me that I always have a hunch, I always had a hunch that my body just didn't metabolize like other bodies. I always had the feeling that I just couldn't eat certain things without it showing up on my body. Mm. Um... And having like a little proof that I actually wasn't just, I wasn't lazy. I actually had a, a hormonal imbalance, mm. which meant that my body couldn't handle burning the fat that I was yeah. trying to get rid of. Mm. Was I'm not. I thought at the time I was really sad, because mm. again I was just like, oh, it's just another piece of this that this like childhood story that made it, it makes it even sadder. Like someone like really pushing a body to its limits, mm. being disappointed with the result, and the child being like, "It's not my fault. I'm doing all I can." And then actually, you know, the body struggling so much with the hormones that it, it's no way I could have lost a little weight. Exactly, and um, that's so linked to like the fat phobia we have in today's yeah. society that people just think that fat people or people in bigger bodies in general yeah. just are lazy and yeah. you know but then again we are born with different genes and um, and we do look different and yeah. there's certain ways that we should look like to actually be healthy mm-hmm. and by healthy I mean you know feel good yeah. and not diet cultures yeah. way of describing healthy so and all doctors when they diagnose you with PCOS will tell you to lose weight um and I'm in like loads of groups, PCOS groups on Facebook where uh, women talk about their symptoms and what's going on. And, uh, you know, it's really a heartfelt message about if they're trying to have a baby, if they lose a child, you know, a, a miscarriage. And a lot of them are about dieting. Um, a lot of articles I've read that um, eating disorders are very linked to having PCOS because it's the constant you know, trying to lose weight that you can't lose, so you go mm. to extremes to lose it. Yeah. Um, and also this fact of, you know, if you have insulin resistant, the, your body produces more insulin in your blood. If you're obese, apparently you're supposed to have more insulin, and to lower that, the advice that doctors will give you in the NHS is to lose weight, um, even though it's extremely hard to lose weight, you should lose weight yeah, yeah. to help your body maybe ovulate. Mm. So that being the kind of only advice you give, again, it's just like a slap in the face. Yeah. 
because um, they're ignoring so many other sides of it because mm. they simply just don't know enough to yeah, give exactly. concrete advice. So typical with um, different diseases that affect women that yeah. like we don't know anything. It's the same with endometriosis as well. Yeah. Like it affects so many people. Um, but if you are worried that you have PCOS mm-hmm. and you want to go to the doctor, mm-hmm. how do they actually find out if you have it? So um, they'll just ask you if you have irregular periods. Mm. If you think you have cysts. Um, if you think you have cysts, how would you know um, that? I mean, you would have pain. You would have some ovary pain. You can also have cysts without having the pain. Mm. Um, you can go for an x-ray on mm. ultrasound. But I would just focus on um, the blood tests and pushing for those. Mm-hmm. They'll... Uh, you know, see how much um, estrogen and testosterone levels are. Mm. And I think that's that's as well why there's such a shyness about this kind of um, thing. The image of a woman can and men, like these gender images are so fragile. And people get so stressed if they're, um, you know, questioned at all. Like, first of all, that we do call testosterone a male... Uh, hormone yeah. and estrogen a female one um, and that there are like certain levels and a lot of people think that biologically women are very different to men because mm. of testosterone estrogen when in fact the spectrum of how much estrogen and testosterone a man or woman can have can range so much yeah a lot of men have more estrogen than some women mm. and a lot of women have more testosterone without it affecting them or their gender that much biologically okay um but again if you're a woman and you have a bit more testosterone and you have irregular periods there's a link there in hormonal thing yeah yeah so you can test that but i think you know the result uh, can be like i think people shy away from it because you don't you know i as a like as a woman uh growing up as a teenager i wouldn't want to hear that i had a more male hormones or that i was you know, therefore perceived more masculine. Because no. we live in a society where females are supposed to be female. And for a long time, I thought the most important thing was to be very feminine. It's just, you know, now in my late 20s that I don't care if I look masculine or if I have, like, more testosterone at all. Mm. Um, Is there any medical treatment for it? No, so a lot of doctors recommend going on the pill... Because it regulates your periods. Uh, I remember my doctor suggesting that. And he was... Well, when I'm like a man... A doctor was a man recommended that. And I was like... Okay, so... The period you get when you're on the pill is not really real. It's... You know, you trick your body into thinking that it had ovulated. So it sheds. And he was like, yes. So I was like, so how does that help me? Not like about my problem with not ovulating. How does faking it help me? And he was like, "Well, it, it doesn't, but it would regulate your period." So by taking more hormones, I pretend that I ovulate, and that's supposed to make me feel better. It's not the solution at all. No. So another doctor that I went to, she was like, "Yeah, the pill won't really help you, but you can, you know, lose weight. That's an option." Another. Doctor, um, which you know, I've, I have lost weight 
while after uh, being diagnosed and that hasn't really helped me it's not about the weight it's about how you're feeding your body and if you're keeping it healthy and if you're keeping your stress you know it's about being having a healthy lifestyle not about weight oh stress related in my opinion Mm. um even though you know i'm not a medical professional and um i'd love um if anyone knows more to just send me an email um all information is welcome Mm. Um, and then another doctor uh, suggested metformin, uh, or no, not met, met, metformin, metformin, which is a um, very serious drug that they give type two to diabetes patients. It has to do with um, insulin and how it affects your body. Yeah, I thought about that earlier when you talked about yeah. insulin. That it's. That's, I don't know if there's any other similarities between the two illnesses. Uh, well, you know, you're more likely to get a type, type 2 diabetes if you have PCOS. Okay. Um, and also high cl- cl- cholesterol. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so he suggested trying that. Um, but that you, they put you on that so that your insulin is regulated enough for you to be able to lose weight. So again, it's about weight. Oh, I see. Um, but what metformin does, it can really destroy your lining of your stomach, mm-hmm. um, which it, it absolutely fucked up my stomach. So I was nauseous for like half a year until I just gave up. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, I don't want to be uh, taking uh, such a strong drug mm. before, because it's not like you take it and then it helps your body fix itself or it gets you even. Mm. You just take it every day, like 2,000 milligrams or whatever for the rest yeah. of your life. It's mm. just quite a scary thought, mm, especially when you have like side effects. Um, so there is no like medical solution. What I would recommend is, um, I think what helped me was I always thought that I didn't have, just because I didn't have blood, I wouldn't have my period. But I still have a cycle. The The difference is that I PMS, you know, all the symptoms you have before you go on your period, which is, you know, bloating, short temper, mood swings. Um, it can be, you know, a bit of hair loss or more stress or, you know, that you can't sleep that well. Um, I have all of that, but instead of having it for three days or a week before my period, I... Sometimes I had it for six weeks. Sometimes I had oh, it for really? seven weeks. Then when I have my period, sometimes I bleed for, you know, 40 days instead of three to five days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there is still... For a long time, I thought it was just a random bleed. I thought that when I was feeling stressed or anxious or, you know, quick-tempered, I thought it was just me being, you know, not in control of myself. When now I, I realize that there is a cycle to it and I am... Tr- tracking it through like keeping diaries and knowing how I feel and where my body is at um that I have a cycle is just not as regular it's longer periods of okay. each chapter I feel mm, like mm. um and and in um regards to that I then try to you know either rest or exercise or eat um to help my body have minerals and vitamins that it needs to uh, keep a system going that is um, a bit malfunctioning, mm-hmm. you know. Just like if you have a cold, you don't, you know, go out for a run, you stay in and you take an extra bit yeah. more vitamins and yeah. you eat a bit more healthy to get you through it. 
I, I just know that I have a body that is more capable of malfunctioning, so I just put the effort in to take extra good care of it. Mm. Um, yeah, and that's what we all should do every yeah, day. Yeah. But this has been so informative, and I, think, <laughs> I feel like I've definitely learned so much, and I think all our listeners have as well. Mm. And you said earlier that you encourage people to contact you to share their own stories or yes, if they have any other information. It. Just go um, on my Instagram, um, send me a message. Yeah. And what's your Instagram? So, um, oh my, so long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's auslisigvjöfstotir. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to yeah, that as well. Yeah, I think go for the link. I'm not going to try <laughs> to spell it. so many letters. Okay. Uh, yeah, And you can, find my, you can find my Instagram as well, which is Feckman on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then I put a photo of you and with a link to Instagram there as well. Yeah. On my Instagram there's also a link to the article I wrote about PCOS. Perfect. In my bio. Mm. So that's a click away as yeah. well. And like I said, I, I think everyone should have a read. Um, whether they think they have it or not, it's just Definitely. we have to educate ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but thank you so much Ace for you. sharing your story and for educating us. Mm. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com